Hi, and welcome to Harvest Bible Chapel, Kuala Lumpur Online. We hope that the following message will be a blessing to you as you seek to walk with the Lord in spirit and in truth. For more information about our church, please visit www.harvestkl.org or click the link in the description below. Let me, let me say another quick prayer and we'll jump into our time. Father, we ask that as we open your word, that you would shift our full focus on your word and what you have to say. And Father, help us uh, see ourselves in light of what we read in your word. Understand where we are, who you are, and what needs to happen next. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. We are in our second week in 1 John. So if you have your Bibles in some form or another, please open with me to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. If you are unfamiliar, it is towards the back of the Bible. If you get to Revelation, you've gone too far, it's right in front of it. It's also in front of 2nd and 3rd John. We used to, this is a little bit of a sidetrack, but uh, we used to live in uh, a more rural part of Indonesia. And it was at a time when there were people getting on, on the planes that didn't always, uh, they hadn't flown before. And so they just didn't know like, flaunt, like airplane culture or anything. And they would board from the front of the plane and the back of the plane at the same time. And like, they didn't know that they had assigned seats. They thought it was like a bus where you, you know, first on you jump, sit down. I always pitied those flight attendants because they were having to like, it was like this massive puzzle because there's all these people getting on from both ends of the flight and they just sit down and then they have to move everyone to their right seats. It was always just a, chaotic mess. Okay, I hope by this time you found First John. Let me read the, read the passage. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie, and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. This is the word of the Lord. Have you ever played that the icebreaker game, Two Truths and a Lie? Each person is supposed to come up with two things that are true about them, and then one thing that is absolutely a lie. 
and then they say each of those three statements in whatever order they want to, and everyone else has to try to guess which thing is the lie. Um, I've played it a few times. I'm not very good at it. Um, the goal is, you know, what you end up doing is you, you come up with these, like these things that actually happen to you that are really crazy. And then your lie is usually the, the lame, boring thing. And it's easy to, to figure out. Those who are good at the game though, are good at making the lie sound just like the truth. And that's what John is trying to address in this passage. The Christians to whom John is writing, they're hearing teaching that sounds very much like the truth. But they are just, these things are just as untrue as the lies someone makes up in that game. And as Christians, we need to be able to recognize those things as lies. And we need to be able to recognize those things that are truth. This passage that we just read has amazing symmetry to it. Six verses, three verses have truths, three have lies. So we'll walk through this in the following three points. God is light, walking in the dark, and walking in the light. God is light. So first John has two main parts to it. Essentially, the first part is the, the theme is light. God is light. The second part is God is love. And we, the, each section begins with, this is the message. So if you look, I mean, if you just want to skip over briefly to 1 John 3.11, it begins, this is the message. And here in this passage, it begins with, this is the message. And that kind of breaks down the, the bigger kind of outline of 1 John. So um, as we dig into this, uh, John uses this image of light to help us understand who God is and where we are. Um, the image of light is used uh, throughout the scriptures. And from the very beginning, God's first act of creation in Genesis 1, 3 is let there be light. And there was. Throughout the Bible, light is used as a symbol of goodness, of godliness, of God's great and majestic glory. So here are just a few examples from scripture. This is nowhere near all of them. Psalm 44.3 tells us how God's light shows God's presence and favor on his people. Ezekiel 1.28 describes God's radiance, radiant appearance, and it drives those who see it to their knees to bow down before him. Isaiah 51.4 describes God's justice as a light for the peoples. Psalm 119.105, God's word lights our path and gives us direction. Ezekiel 10.4 tells us that the court of the temple was filled with the brightness of the glory of the Lord. Hosea 6.5 tells us that even the judgments of God are like light that goes forth. 
And then going all the way to the end, Revelation 21, 23, the new city to come, the new Jerusalem, there's no need of a sun or moon to shine in it because the glory of the Lord gives light. We can only attempt to grasp God's nature and using images helps us when uh, words fail us. Light is radiant and splendorous. And so it is the closest thing to describe just a little bit of the glory of God. Light by nature is, it's not self-contained. It, it pushes outward. Last week, when we began in 1 John, we talked just about the nature of who Jesus is, that he is both human and divine. His claim in the Gospel of John to be the light of the world links up with the statement that God is light. When we see Jesus in a glorified state on the Mount of Transfiguration or after the resurrection, he is described as being bright. In fact, Matthew 28.3 says he looked like lightning. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. The truth is vital for us to understand, but not just understand, to feel and experience. Darkness and light cannot be in the same place. This is the foundational truth that John is, is, is working with here. And so then he, he builds off of this to say God is light and there's no darkness in him. And then he begins to walk through these three lies that, that are in this passage that people, that Christians are hearing. Now, there's a lot of issues in, in Christianity that we can disagree with. You know, for a long time, there was this argument about whether you could sing, whether it was better to sing contemporary uh, music or like old hymns in a church service. And it was debate after debate. But I, I think most would agree, at least, that that's not something that determines our salvation. That that's not one of the, the big issues. What John is wrestling with here is these are some things that are being told in, in the church that are big issues. Salvation depends on what you understand about this. And, and everything is, it, it, it's of grave nature to know and understand and um, for us as Christians to be able to hear that's truth. That's, that sounds like truth, but there's something off in that statement. So, walking in the dark. There are three statements in the, this passage um, that begin with, if we say. If we say, verse 6, that we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. What John does here is he says this, if we say, as if to say this is something that I'm hearing out there, 
And then here is the, the raw truth behind it. The lie and then the truth behind it. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. As we began in 1 John last week, we talked about false teaching that had entered the church. The, some of this false teaching was basically something to the effect of that the, only that which is spiritual is what matters and sort of the, the material physical world is, is doesn't matter. And what some took that to mean is now that I have this spiritual knowledge, some even kind of considered it secret knowledge about, about Jesus, because everyone loves secrets, right? Uh, everyone loves secrets when they know them. They don't love them when, yeah. But that they, once they know that, then they can live in this world because that, all that stuff doesn't matter. They can live how they want to. These other two statements that, that are, are, are given try to claim that we are not sinful or that we have not sinned. And, and there's a part of us, I think, that, that wants to buy into that, that wants to justify ourselves. In the previous church that we were in um, south of here, there was a young man that basically basically believed that he was he was better than anyone else he knew. Now, either uh, he didn't know very many people, or he he has just astounding arrogance. But actually, most of us, I think, more than we would admit to ourselves have some form of that. We, we look around and think, oh, there's way worse out there. I, I just dabble in gossip, but there's, there are way worse things going on. And so we justify it. Or we justify it in other ways. For example, we have a, a neighbor who um, more or less, she believes so much wrong is happening to her. And to be fair, she does have a lot of stuff that is happening to her. But in her job, uh, she does the books for a company and um, gets put into a position where she has to present the books in a certain way that is deceitful that is illegal, but I mean, she's not the primary person making that decision. And so I, I think for her, it's, it can be like, oh, it's actually my bosses that are the sinners. I'm just doing what I'm told. But, you know, I'm, I'm guessing if there's an investigation, that's not what the judges will find, right? that she agreed, she knows there's something wrong here and she's agreed to do it. She wants to blame other people as the ones at fault 
Is she without fault? I think she's deceiving herself. A number of years ago, I met a a local young man, active Christian, involved in his church, involved in other ministries. At that time, he had a small mobile phone shop in Cheros. And I was introducing him to another guy who actually lived not far from where that shop was. And so I was just making the introduction. And my friend who owns the shop, he says, oh, I hope I didn't cheat you. (laughs) I was kind of stunned. He really didn't seem very ashamed of it. It was as if cheating was just part of doing business. That it didn't have anything to do with his walk with Christ. What about you? Have you allowed some sin to continue because you have chosen not to call it sin? Or maybe you have said that you're not guilty because others are even more guilty. Just because we do not call it sin doesn't mean that it is not sin. I mean, there's a reason why, like in football matches or really any sports contest, you have neutral referees to decide what is foul and what is not, right? If you let one team decide what the fouls are in the match, uh, you're going to have violence sooner rather than later. We are too immersed in our world of sin to be able to see it clearly or to see it without bias. We need help seeing our sin. To press back into this image of darkness, it's hard to see what is right and good when we're surrounded by darkness. We heard Isaiah 59 read earlier. Verse 9 says this, Therefore justice is far from us, and righteousness does not overtake us. We hope for light, and behold darkness. And for brightness, but we walk in gloom. So how do we walk in the light? Walking in the light. The message of John is is simple. Light, good. Darkness, bad. Right? So walk in the light. It's as simple as that, right? Just do it. Do the right things. It's not that hard. If we are disciplined, we can do it. And maybe that's how many of us are thinking about this. But when we do this, we underestimate sin. Sin is not just bad actions. When you tell a lie, the sin did not begin when the lie comes out of your mouth. It started when you so badly wanted whatever lie you're telling to be believed. There's something in your heart that initiates that sinful action. In other words, it's a problem of the heart rather than the mind. Sin has a a way of sneaking into your heart, becoming attached 
Let's think about it this way for a minute. Pets. Most people buy pets when they are small and cute, cuddly, right? The little puppy, you know, just so cute. And, and so then they buy, and then immediately, a lot of times have buyer's remorse because like little puppies are, are challenging in so many respects. Small puppies and kittens, they're just so cute. Even like something ugly like Yoda, Baby Yoda, just darling, right? <laughs> Sin is more like picking up a super cute animal that looks like a kitten, except with fun stripes on it, except it's not a kitten. It's a tiger cub. But it's cute. It's harmless. You grow attached to it. And then one day, a few years back, a guy by the name of Antoine Yates lived in a rough part of New York City. And in the chaos of the neighborhood, he wanted something that he found peace in. And he found peace in having exotic pets. And so one of his pets was Ming, a 500-pound tiger. He kept this tiger in his small apartment in New York City. Most people that have like the really dangerous pets, they have big cages somewhere far from their beds. He did not. He said, what, what attracted me to animals was the peace. The, the peace of being with them. Everything is unconditional. You love them and they love you back. One day, Yates was attacked by Ming, the tiger. Thankfully, he lived actually to tell about it. Um, it was a severe mauling, but he lived through it. If you want to go down a, a dark hole, Google pets killing their owners on internet and they're just stories that you can't tell from a pulpit. Let's just say that. The truth is sin is like that wild animal that may look cute and cuddly at the beginning. And it grows into a beast that will devour you. So what's the answer? No pets? No, of course not. Only goldfish? Um, no, this passage gives us some important steps, some, some arrows pointing in the right direction. We cannot control sin on our own. Antoine Yates had no ability to control a 500-pound tiger. No ability. When it's cute and cuddly, yes. When it becomes 500 pounds, no. So first, confess sin. We have to recognize our sin and confess to God. God already knows everything you have done and thought and felt. So you're not telling God something new. Rather, confession is a process of identifying 
our sin before God. In other words, God wants us to identify, explore this, understand the gravity of what's going on in our hearts. But it's more than just identifying sin. It's also laying this at the feet of Jesus. And, and this is harder than it sounds. It's, it's like we, we mentioned earlier, sin sneaks into our hearts. We become attached to it. Our sins become so integrated with us that to remove our sin seems life-threatening. Yet at the same time, sin is leading us to death. So to confess our sin is no small task, but it is the only way we can find freedom from our sin. Verse 9 says that God will be faithful and just to forgive us. Jesus said in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. How do we walk in the light? By following Jesus. Jesus came to dwell among us in the darkness in order to bring light into our world. The, the problem is darkness is so entrenched, so deep that it is in us even. And Jesus took our darkness to the cross. Our worst darkness is no match for the light of Christ. He is the true source of light in the world. If we confess our sin and place our trust in Jesus, he cleanses us from all of our sin. The most amazing word in there is all. No matter how long your list of sin, Jesus wipes the whole list out. Second point in this last third is practice truth. We are told to practice truth. This means two things. To practice truth, you need to know the truth. How do we do that? Spending time reading God's word, meditating on God's word, memorizing God's word. False teachings like the ones mentioned here, they can, they can lead the most well-meaning Christian to a false gospel, a gospel that does not save, a gospel that leaves you enslaved to sin. To know the truth is the foundation of practicing the truth. But secondly, truth in the Bible is never supposed to just be knowledge. It's to be practiced. It's to be lived. Remember the guy I mentioned earlier with the mobile phone shop who said, I hope I didn't cheat you. To practice truth means to walk in the light of Christ and no longer that, and you no longer cheat people. But it also means that 
when he messes up, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's an amazing, beautiful promise in that. Thirdly, fellowship with him and one another. So last week as a church, we had a great time of just hanging out after church. We had amazing food and we enjoyed some group games, a lot of laughter. For those of you that missed it, I'm, I'm sorry you missed out. But if that is all that took place, food, games, some laughs, it really would not be that remarkable. That's, that's, the, that's just uh, it's the lowest bar for, for friendship, really. Rather, my prayer is that it was a time that God used to draw us into deeper relationships with one another. And that those relationships are rooted in Christ. It will not always be laughter and an abundance of food. There will be hard times for you and I. And during those hard times, I pray that the light of Christ in one another, that God uses that to encourage each other in those times of hard times. A true and authentic fellowship um, that grows within our church, but then we, we want to see it spill out, spill out into the roads of Pompong, spill out into every neighborhood in which the Harvest family lives. But that's only possible as we go deeper in Christ, as we walk in the light and turn away from any darkness. We can only do that, though, in Jesus. We have to go to the source of light. You cannot find light by going deeper into darkness. As we do that, as we deliberately love one another well in this church, I think we can make an impact in our city. A city where most people live in darkness. That we can become one among many. There are other gospel-centered churches around the city that we join together in bringing more light into the city. Will you join me in prayer? Father, we, we thank you for this word, that you are light, and in you there is no darkness whatsoever. Yet, Father, we confess that we are too often too comfortable in darkness. So, Father, I pray that we would, that you, with each of us, that you would work in our hearts to see the dark spots in us and that we would with 
just a full body turn, move to you, the source of light. We thank you for forgiveness. We thank you for forgiveness of all of our sin, all of our unrighteousness. We thank you for being a God who is light, a God who is love, and a God who is just, and a God who forgives. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.